0: Is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern. And then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to MichelleGroster.com forward slash quiz now to take my two minute personality pattern quiz. What's up, you guys? Michelle here. If you are listening to this episode and you find yourself feeling tired, Are you wondering if it's like I need a nap and a snack kind of tired or are you experiencing burnout? If you're wondering, right, if what you're noticing about what you're feeling and maybe you feel like you've been tired for a while now and you feel like no matter how much rest you get, you're still feeling tired and kind of edgy or irritable or just feel like you're dragging, I want to invite you to check out my brand new private podcast series. It's called Heal Your Burnout. I made it specifically for you guys. It's completely free, and it's a series designed to be a launching pad to understanding and healing your burnout. I made five episodes for you guys. They're short. They're actionable. And in the first episode, I really teach you about some of the signs and symptoms of burnout. There's three different stages of burnout, and I think when we get an understanding of one the signs and the symptoms of each stage, it can be, first of all, just so encouraging and confirming because a lot of times we know we're feeling off. We have our labs run. We see professionals, right? Everything comes back within normal range. And we're like, am I making this up? Like, I just feel so off, right? And it can be really encouraging and really um, validating to know that, one, it's not all in your head. And two, there are plans for healing, right? You can heal burnout. So check out episode one. I walk you through the three different stages of burnout. I give you all the different symptoms so you can really get a good gauge on where you're at because it's so important to know where we're at so we can create a plan for where we want to be, right? Five different episodes there. I talk about burnout, I talk about the symptoms of burnout, I talk about um, what's going on in our bodies and in our minds when we're experiencing burnout, and then the last couple episodes, I really give you awesome practical handles for starting to heal your burnout that you can put into place today. Things that are mind-body based that will directly influence your mood and your energy and your sleep and your stress, everything, your overall health and well-being. So check it out today. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and listen to this private podcast series, Heal Your Burnout. Welcome to the Calm Mom podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. What's up, friends? Michelle Groster here. You're listening to the Calm Mom Podcast. Today on the show, we have Kaylee Zire. Kaylee is a pediatric occupational therapist, and this conversation today is going to be so helpful for those of you who are really looking for a better understanding of your children's behavior at a deeper level. She helps parents identify their own triggers and then work to process and manage those triggers so that all of us as parents can really be more calm and have more empathy when our children need us most, i.e. in the middle of a meltdown. So the things we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about how we can overcome some of those triggers, especially when they come up when we're dealing with really intense, challenging, big emotions and behaviors from our kids. We're going to talk about self-regulation. We talk about it so much on the podcast, but I think it's really cool that Kaylee helps us to understand it better and how we can hold space for our children's emotions while our children are developing and practicing their own self-regulation skills. One of the things that I love so much about this conversation is that Kaylee really focuses on connection, right? Everything is around connection and connection is the most powerful tool that we have when we're encountering difficult behaviors that help build trust and safety with our kids. So enjoy this conversation with Kaylee. Kaylee, welcome to the Calm Mom podcast. I'm so excited you're here today. We've talked about our own emotions a lot on the show, um, but not so much what to do when our kids have big emotions. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation and believing that people are going to get some tips today, some tangible stuff they can start to put into practice. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. So before we jump into it, we were talking a little bit before we hit record, but just tell everyone a little bit about you and kind of the work that you're doing, the space that you're filling and um, anything else you'd like to share.
1: Yeah. So I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and I'm about to have a third, hopefully any day now, but we'll see. Um, And I am actually a pediatric occupational therapist. And when my second son was about to be born. I had always wanted to, you know, be a stay-at-home mom. I love being a, an OT and, um, it's been a passion of mine for sure, but I just knew that was something that I really wanted, but I also needed to bring in some income as well. And so finally, when he was about to be born, I thought, well, I could start a daycare because, you know, I'm still working with kids. I can use my OT skills and I can be home with my kids. And shortly after I started that, I noticed that my oldest, who was um, like three and a half at the time, he started becoming really aggressive towards not only his younger brother, but the daycare kids as well. And it got to a place where it was so overwhelming that I couldn't even turn my back. Like I literally had to almost be attached to him Mm -hmm. at all times. And even when it seemed like he was, because it's not that he didn't like playing with the kids, um, but even when he was happy, I'd, you know, I'd think, oh, I can meal plan or I can make the next activity or set something up. And the second I would kind of get into something else, I'd hear crying and it was always him. (laughs) going after somebody else because just that impulsivity, you know, and um, being an OT, a lot of the stuff that I had worked with other families on stuff that I taught was how to teach self-regulation and how to use calming strategies. And what I found personally is that it it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to create all these, you know, calming spaces and I was trying to change them up like Maybe if he's further away from the kids or closer so he can still see them and feel like he's part of it, but they don't have to be in his space. Um, maybe if I had these different calming strategies to the space, maybe that will be helpful. And just nothing worked. And I kind of just felt really stuck because I was at a place where I didn't want to feel this way. <laughs> like, I didn't want to wish away my time that I had wished to have with them for my husband to get home so I could like escape away by myself. Um there were plenty of days where I had to turn away because like I was just ready to break down. And obviously I have all these other kids. And so but I also didn't want him like I knew that he wasn't doing this because he wanted to. Yeah. And so it just led me down this path of trying to figure out how can I actually help him and me and be effective? And that's when I came across these connection focused parenting strategies and we just dove in. So we got coaching ourselves, which transformed everything for us. And after that, I decided that I wanted the training because I wanted to be able to share this with other families because it have worked so well. And I think that it's something that's really hard to find. Um, But it's also not the norm, right? Like we see a kid's behavior and we think like, they're disobeying, they're being defiant and disrespectful and we need it to stop immediately. So what kind of punishment or consequence or bribe can we throw out there? Yeah. And there's just so much more layers to behavior than that and there's so much um so many things tied to how we respond that we're not even aware like our kids are doing the exact same thing but we expect them to you know like almost live to this higher standard of regulating And so um, it just has given me this drive and passion to help other parents understand that behavior isn't like sure in the moment it might feel uncomfortable or, you know, quote unquote bad. But it's really just communicating to you that something's going on and there's some things that we can do that feel good that um, we don't have to walk away feeling shameful or guilty about doing. Yeah, but to actually get the consistent results that we are looking for. Yeah.
0: Wow. So first of all, I feel like every single person listening can probably relate to part of that story at some point because all of our kids go through stuff and so do mm-hmm. we, and then put us all together in a space. It's, it can be challenging. Um, as I'm hearing you speak about connection, Um, Like a big thing for me, I know that was really effective when when I became a mom was kind of changing my mindset and the words that I was kind of using to label my kids behavior. Um, And I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit, because I think sometimes it's tempting or it's just what we've heard to be like, oh, my kids are being bad or whiny or what, like you said, disrespectful or disobedient or whatever. But really, we're all just as needy as our unmet needs and there's something beneath that so I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit and just how you've maybe made some of those mindset shifts that have really helped to change how you approach it and then we can kind of get into some of the more like tactical stuff
1: I think um, one of the biggest things that really helped me especially in those moments when you know, you're feeling triggered as a mom, but yeah. you can't just like run away, <laughs> you know, like you have to Even do though it. you
0: really want to.
1: <laughs> yes, um, I just, I can remember this time where we were on our steps, you know, all the daycare kids were downstairs. My son was having a really hard time. And at this point I had gone through some coaching already. And so I kind of knew what to do, but I wasn't like fully consistent in implementing the things. And I just remember feeling so overwhelmed. And like, kind of, I don't think I was yelling, but like saying things that I knew weren't going to be effective. But in my mind, I was thinking, I shouldn't be saying this, like, this isn't helpful. And, and then it kind of pulled me back thinking, if I am struggling so much in this moment, to control what I'm saying. Like, I literally know in my mind, I shouldn't be saying this, I should say this or do this or whatever, but yet I'm still doing yeah. this other thing. Yeah. It really caught me like how much we expect our kids to just, you know, whatever it is, not hit or not be whiny or not complain. And yet here I am this adult who, who knows what I want to be doing instead, and yet I can't yeah. do it. And so it really gave me this perspective of like, I'm expecting so much from him. And so what I really like to do is pick a phrase. Um, and it could be anything. But what I always used to kind of draw me back and like really assess the situation instead of just kind of being in it and just reacting. I always used to say to myself he's overwhelmed. Like he's Mm. overwhelmed. And it just reminded me that, yes, this is difficult behavior, but really he's just feeling so overwhelmed and he doesn't know like what to do. And like, I knew what to do yet. I still wasn't. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I try to encourage parents, just, especially if there are, you know, more challenging behaviors, like, I mean, I think whining can be challenging, but even the aggression, like, yeah. yes, you're seeing aggression, but what aggression actually is. So at the root of aggression is generally fear. Mm. So when you're seeing your child be ag- aggressive towards another child, it's easy to respond and react because who wants their kid to hurt mm. <laughs> another kid, you know? Yeah. But when you really peel back the layers, that child is feeling some type of fear or has been triggered back into some type of fear response. Yeah. And so when you can come to that behavior, remembering, okay, I'm not dealing like, yes, we have to address the aggression, but really what we need to address first is where that fear, that fear that's, that's underlying. Otherwise, if you just keep, you know, punishing the aggression, you're essentially just kind of adding more to that struggle and you're not really getting, you know, you're trying to band-aid something that is not going to hold. Yeah,
0: Oh man, there's so much, so much good stuff in there. I love just the reminder that our kids are overwhelmed when they have these big emotions because it's true. And I'm going to use that. And something that I've kind of used that's really helped me too, is just reminding myself that like, I'm always like, peace begins with me. Peace begins with me. Like I have to get okay. Right. And I have to get to that regulated space before I can really even help them even if it's just like letting them scream while I walk away for 30 as long as everyone's safe right mm-hmm. and just like get okay and then come back I'm like okay I know I'm going to be so much more effective than if I just do what I instinctively want to do right now it will pro- probably not be very helpful um I would I would wonder if you could talk a little bit about I would assume and then and then I want to hear what your take on it that the more discomfort we have with our own big emotions, we're probably more triggered by the big emotions of our children. Um, Talk to Mm -hmm. me about that correlation and maybe what you've noticed.
1: Yeah. So I think one of the biggest difficulties for us as parents and something that we're really not aware of, I mean, I wasn't, is how we are so patterned and conditioned from childhood. So what I really like to encourage parents when they are feeling, you know, so much of our responses is just automatic. Like I think it's like 90% of our thoughts and our decisions, our actions just come subconsciously. Yeah. And, you know, like there is some good to that. Like we don't want to be putting energy into every single decision, but that also means when our child's behavior, it triggers us. We automatically go into this response yeah. that has been conditioned in us. So usually, you know, if you're somebody who your child starts crying and you're like, I can't handle this. Then think back to your childhood. Was there either a parent or a caregiver that whenever you cried, they, and maybe it wasn't always like stop crying sort of a thing, but maybe they tried to distract you from crying and like, Oh, but look over here, like, let's do this. And so it wasn't necessarily didn't feel maybe negative, but it was communicating to you that crying isn't okay. Like I'm not okay with the crying. Right. And so And this happens to all of our relationships. Like I especially noticed this even in my relationship with my husband. You know, I I was a perfectionist, a people pleaser. And I like the thoughts that I had like just came so automatically and they just were so untrue. And when I could kind of resolve some of that past hurt, I guess you would say, I could come to these behaviors less triggered because it wasn't about me being triggered back into those feelings. So what happens when we're triggered is we go back to that original time where we felt, you know, whether it was unsafe or unheard or, or whatever, and we're kind of responding from that place. So that's why maybe an easier example for parents is, you know, you bring your child to the doctor and they have to get a shot or a blood draw or something that is fear inducing um and doesn't feel safe to them. And then the next time you have to go just like a regular checkup or something. And they just go into this spiral. They they don't want to go. They have such a hard time. And you're like, but you just like there's nothing there's nothing going to happen. There's no shots. There's no whatever it was. Yeah. And they still struggle. And that's because they have been triggered back to that first time when they didn't feel safe or they felt uncomfortable or whatever it was. And that's the same thing that happens to us when we're coming to our child's behavior. And, um, you know, maybe you reflect back and you're like, well, it wasn't my parents, for example, or I've had people say, you know, like my mom was really calm, but my sister, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a caregiver. Often it, it is because we're just, you know, around that person the most. Um, But it could also be something that's modeled for us. You know, so for me, aggression is something that was really triggering. And obviously, we don't want our kid hurting other kids. But what I learned in the process of kind of working through my own triggers is that um, my, my sister was really aggressive to me as a young child. And so not only was I like experiencing it as the parent, but I was triggered back into how I felt as the child. And so we can kind of get these triggers and all these big emotions from different places. And we're not even aware, like I had not thought that, you know, about my sister, like pinching me when I was, you know, six years old in 20 some years, like it wasn't something that was an active thought, Yeah, but I think it just shows parents that like, there is so much going on in our brain, so much that we hold on to. Um, that we come to all relationships with.
0: Do you often find yourself working really hard to keep everyone around you happy? Do you often wonder if others like you or, or maybe what they think about you? Do you struggle to set boundaries? You really love being connected to others. Maybe you trust others really easily. How about this one? Do you tend to be quite talkative? You might have thought all of these were just parts of your personality but they're actually coping mechanisms that you've picked up over the course of your life and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You've gotta take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And then over time, those defenses became a habit And then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns. And they're not personality types like the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are, but rather what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. So click on the quiz link in the show notes, or go to michellegrosser.com slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality patterns quiz. So for the parents that are listening that are like, yeah, I, I really, I resonate with that. It's really uncomfortable for be for me to be around my kids when they're having, um, you know, being aggressive or having these big emotions. What are some ways that you like to coach the parents on how to either regulate or kind of hold space for that as our kids are learning how to manage those, those big feelings?
1: Well, the first thing is we have to identify and be aware, right? right? So, we might not always know like what us, like I didn't know aggression was like a deep rooted trigger for me. I just thought I don't want my kid to hurt other kids mm. until I, um, one of the connection strategies for parents is called listening partnerships. Now this isn't something that's maybe realistic for everybody to do, but es- essentially what you do is you end up being kind of paired with somebody that you don't know. Um, and if anybody wants to do that, you know, they can reach out to me and I can help them find that. But the idea is that our brain is able to work through a lot of our hurts, our past traumas. And when I say trauma, I don't necessarily mean something that like another person would look into your life and be like, that was traumatic. Mm -hmm. It could be something that doesn't really feel, you know, physically traumatic, but it was how the person perceived it. And it's just, we don't often give our brain the space to do that. You know, so our brain has this natural process of going through and healing things, but we usually shove it down, right? Like we start to feel something. We're like, nope, we can't do that. (laughs) We're not going to share that. Or we've been conditioned, like we don't cry or, you know, I got to just people, please or whatever it is. Um, And so we don't give our brain the space to do that. And that's essentially what listening partnerships does. You have a conversation with somebody that you don't know, ideally, weekly. And so you just speak. You just allow whatever comes up for you to come up. And the reason that it's encouraged not to know this person is because it's so easy to hold back to, you know, we don't want to be judged. Or if, you know, your husband said something, you don't want that person then to have this differing view of your husband when it's just your perception, right? Like you were probably just really stressed and it it didn't really mean anything. But then, you know, there's all these weird things that can kind of come come up there. So that is really the key is allowing space for your brain to resolve it. Now, if you don't, you know, want to do a listening partnership or you, you don't have the ability, something else that I recommend is journaling. Now, I'm not a huge journaler because I find it hard because my brain thinks so fast and my hand can't write fast enough. Um, But even typing or just taking, you know, five minutes every day and or when you're feeling really triggered and just writing whatever comes up for you and being completely honest, you know, like I've had someone say, I I kind of write in code because I I worry somebody's going to read it, then tear it (laughs) up, you know, like rip it out, tear it up go to the gas station and throw it in the garbage there or something yes. because we really we need our brain to process through feelings that you know like I hate my kid today obviously you don't hate your kid but it's just these Feels strong like that. yeah we have to just let ourselves like work through in a healthy way and so journaling can be that another thing um you know like going for a walk and whether it's like a prayer walk or you just walk and talk out loud like there's not people around and you process that way um the other thing that I sometimes will recommend is I don't know if you've heard of the Voxer app Mm -hmm. but it's like a walkie-talkie app and you can actually just have a conversation with yourself so if you want to do that you can just kind of be talking like you would be talking to somebody else obviously we don't have that support piece then but at least you're still able to kind of Allow your brain space to work through it because
0: yeah.
1: until we do that, we don't necessarily have that buffer in between the like, I'm doing good and now I'm completely triggered in the, in that fight or flight yes. response.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Just a space to start to like release some of that and process mm-hmm. it. Yeah, those are great ideas. Um I love how you were talking about with aggression in particular, that there's like something beneath that, usually fear. And that's probably true with a lot of our kids' big emotions, like there's something under it. Um, so I know you t- you you teach a lot about connection. And I would love for you, you know, we hear this thing like connect before you correct, <laughs> but sometimes it's like, but how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so can you teach our listeners like what are some ways that they can really focus on connection with their kids? And then whether it's like in the moment, is that the time to do it, or do we wait until after, or is this all like stuff we should be doing? before like talk to us about it.
1: Yeah, so the parenting that I follow is called hand in hand parenting and there are four basic connection strategies. So they're always the same. It doesn't matter your kids ages, which is something that I think is really helpful. Like you don't have to go and learn all these different things. Like you just have this foundation and then, you know, based on the behavior or your kids age you adjust accordingly. So, um I'll just briefly kind of cover all of them because I think They're all really important and can be helpful in different situations. So the first one um, that I think, especially if parents struggle with managing their own feelings and triggers when behaviors come up, it's called special time. And it is different than one-on-one time. So um, one-on-one time, you know, like you could maybe you get a phone call or you get hungry and you want to get a snack. You have that flexibility. Maybe you're kind of making dinner and then you kind of come back and play the game or whatever special time is full on you can't go to the bathroom you don't go get a drink you don't do anything except for focus with your child playing in whatever time frame so normally not more than 20 minutes okay. maybe 30 if you are good at playing but that's for you know several reasons because especially because we as adults have so many things going on It's really hard for us to focus for much longer. And so we really want to be fully engaged and present. And the other part of that is our child is in control. So you that's why we label it special time or you can come up with your own name. But we want it to have a name because we want your child to distinguish the difference between when we're just playing one on one and when you are actually in control of what I'm doing and I have to do it. And this is really connection building because how often do our kids get control? Right. Barely ever. And that can be a really big issue, okay. especially as you're kind of in the toddler phase, you know, they're learning their voice and that it, it matters. Yep. Um, and I've done this with my two-year-old before and he will ask for it, you know, so it's not something that your child has to be a certain age. Like you can start this, you know, maybe like 18 months yeah. Cause even younger than that, you know, you're <laughs> tricky, But Um, so yeah, you just say, Okay, we're gonna do special time for 10 minutes or whatever it is, set a timer. I'm gonna do whatever you say. And sometimes, you know, when my kids have wanted to do like the pretend play and I didn't really know what to do, or if you feel kind of awkward with playing, you can ask them, like, oh, what is this person gonna do, or what do they say? And this is really again creating more control for them because they're telling you what to do. Um, and I will say one caveat to this is that you have to make sure if there's anything that's off limits. Like for example, if they're really into video games and you think they might say I want to I'm going to want to do a video game, to say beforehand it's your you're in charge but we're not going to do x y or z. Because the problem is if we get into special time telling our child they're in control, we have to do what they want. And then they say, I want to do this. And you're like, oh, sorry, you nope. actually can not do that. <laughs> you know, you're, you're really invalidating what you just said. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is really good. Even if you have a child that doesn't really seem to have a lot of behaviors, I still think this is really good because oftentimes, you know, I was a child who didn't have a lot of behaviors. I was, you know, quote unquote, a good child. But that doesn't mean your child doesn't have big feelings. Yes. It means they're probably holding them in. Yeah, So this is creating that connection, increasing that safety and trust to allow them to express feelings <clears throat> that they might otherwise be trying to contain. Yeah. The second one that is, I would say, more for people who get easily triggered is play. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, if your child is struggling in the morning and you have to get going, what do we often do? You're like, get into the car right now, you know, and it, it just becomes this battle. Well, what if you can approach it with play? Love it. You know, like whether it's some type of game, whether you make something silly, like your kid won't get dressed. And so you start putting on the clothes in weird places, like you put their underwear on your head or, you know, their pants on your arms. Just like engaging them in a fun way so that they want to then participate because it's amazing. (laughs) You will see like an immediate shift because right? Play is the work of the child. That's how they learn. And so playing isn't negating that they have to do something. It's not giving them a pass, but it's communicating to them in like this language that they really understand and respond to. And I think this one can also, it can either be easy or hard, right? We didn't often get responded to in difficult situations with play, right? So that is really challenging for me. Like I can listen to, 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 a tantrum for hours but like to play can be much more difficult uh, like i'm like you know i should play here but what like what might i do you know yeah. um but i find my husband just like it's no problem he just like jumps right in yeah and so um i think that is a really good strategy too if you feel like you're struggling with behavior but you also struggle with emotion your own emotions And then the last two kind of go together so this is more in those moments where your child is already upset so um play i would say like if your child's whining or complaining play still works really well for that if your child is um already like melting down Mm -hmm. that's not really a place to input play yeah that's the time for listening yeah so we call it stay listening and essentially, it's like a listening partnership, but for your child. Mm-hmm. So you are just sitting there listening, allowing your child to process and have feelings. And I just, I I wish I could speak about like, how or like, maybe give everybody the picture that I have of all these different examples. Because it's amazing what happens when we just let our kids have feelings. Yes. And Um, I've asked many times like on my Instagram, are you okay with crying? And so many people will say yes, but really we aren't, (laughs) you know, like we might not be like, stop crying, but you're trying to distract. Like, Oh, look over here. Oh, I (laughs) was (laughs) back. Yeah. Like what can we do to move you away from crying? And again, what we're really doing is communicating to our child that you're crying here. Isn't like, I'm not comfortable with it. Yep. Um, and so just sitting with them and really thinking about talking less because we just, you know, we want to help them feel better and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes, you know, in trying to help them feel better, we're actually creating more of this stored up, like I can't release my feelings because my mom can't handle it or she doesn't like it. And um, yeah, it's just amazing when you can sit there and allow your child to process like the other day, for example, my husband was building a tree house for my kids. One of my kids, he wanted me to like go inside and get him something. And i just, you know, I'm 38 weeks pregnant. Like I've already been inside to get three things. If you want it, I'm happy to come with you because, you know, he's scared yeah. or whatever. But you you can go get it. It's kind of this thing where he just always wants somebody else to go do it. And he just didn't want to do it. And he was kind of screaming and flailing. And I think our natural response would be to be. Kind of like, just go get it or move on, like get over it. And I just sat there and I just let him be upset. Yeah. And every time he repeated like, you have to go get it. I would just be calm and hold my boundary, setting limits. I will come with you, but you need to get it. Yeah. And eventually, as I just let him work through it, it came out to, I'm just so tired. I just need a rest. Yeah. And I think when we can just give our kids the space not only are they resolving things that we don't understand but they probably don't even know yeah. what this issue is, you know? Like he was coming thinking like you have to get this paper for me, but really what his body is saying is I'm so tired. I just need a rest, but he couldn't communicate that because he had all these other things blocking it. So when we can let just listen, that's connecting, right? Like how how good do you feel? If you're really upset and your husband just listens to you, not trying to fix something, right. you know, like a friend, not trying to fix something, but just listening and you can even have a good cry. You feel so much better afterwards yeah. and nothing changed, right? Like you didn't solve any problems. You just release feelings. That's right. um, so thinking about that as your child is upset, I'm just helping them offload. Like mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to stop. Just helping them kind of offload those feelings. So they're not carrying that around anymore. And I think that's a really big gift that you can it give your kids. For
0: sure. Um, it's a big gift. And also I love that he was able to actually put into words how he was feeling that he was tired, even at a young age, right? A lot of us as adults still can't still can't do that. Um, so I wonder if there's any ways that you coach and teach or even use with your kids about words around the things that they're feeling or just helping them to, be, to grow an awareness of their own emotions and how they express them.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you asked this question because <laughs> I think so much of what we see today is, um, like more, more than validating feelings. So like, I see you're really frustrated or mm-hmm. I see, whatever. and kind of giving all these little scripts of what to say in these certain instances and i don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that mm-hmm. but what i will say is it's not necessary in the moment mm-hmm. you know and i i like to point people back to the fact that our kids are just little humans they're little people just like we are yeah. and so we don't need to have because i think when we go into it thinking like oh i got to say this we're not present in the moment And then we're scrambling, like, what am I supposed to say? And when we can just come to it, like my child's a person and how would I have this conversation with a friend? Obviously the wording is going to be a little different, but I love that. Would you want, do you think your friend would like you saying, oh, I see you're really frustrated, you know, or would it be more helpful to be like, wow, that sounds really hard. Yeah. You know, you can kind of see the difference. So instead of validating feelings in the moment. You're still doing that. But in like a conversation, you know, like understanding your child as a person and has these feelings, too, and not worrying so much like, oh, I got to let them know. I know they're frustrated. Um, and then the other piece of that is when you are struggling, you know, there's a lot of times where I'll be like, I'm getting really frustrated right now, you know, and I, I can hear even my three year old will be like building Legos and he keeps smashing the pieces and he's like, Oh, I'm getting so frustrated, you know, so we don't have to feel like in these moments, we have to immediately be like, I know you're upset, just being there and allowing them to have feelings actually helps them learn what those feelings are. And then in the other times, maybe you're reading books, and there's feelings in the books or something, or you're talking about you feeling frustrated or less patient or whatever it is. And your kids, you know, they pick that up and they learn it. They don't need us to say every single time, like, I know you're really upset. And it's not to say that we can't say that, but I think there's so much pressure sometimes to just validate and validate and validate. And just because we don't say it doesn't mean that we're not validating through our listening and support.
0: That's so good. And I think that's such permission to parents. Like it's really just being present and connecting like a normal human being and not having to have all of these scripts and plans and charts and whatever. It's,
1: well, and the truth is, you know, if you're triggered by a certain sort of behavior, are you going to remember work. that? You know, like you're not. No. And sometimes, you know, there's not going to be a, a, even if you were like, okay, I'm going to go to my room quick and look it up, you know, or <laughs> jot it down on my notes. or something. <laughs> there's always going to be situations that come yeah. up that we're like, we don't have a script for this. What do we do? You know? And if you can just think like my child's a person, how would I respond to my husband or my friend? Let's respond that way in a you know, a kid appropriate way. Yeah. Um, but they're gonna feel so much more seen than you know, I see you're frustrated. Yeah, that is and respond. Oh, that's really hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so
0: good. I've learned a lot in this conversation. I think this is so just practical, which I love because I feel like so many times, especially when we're talking about situations in which the parents, like we feel triggered and we're not necessarily in our learning brain. It's like, I know all of this stuff when I'm like calm and it's seven in the morning and I'm fresh. But then when I'm like in it at bedtime, it's like, I want just stuff that I can do like a normal human being in the moment. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Um, Let everyone know where they can find you and where you're hanging out and connect and learn more.
1: Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram, so maybe you can just link that because nobody will know how to spell my first or last name. Okay. <laughs> um, but I also offer coaching. Um, I have different tracks for if you feel like you're you need to focus on your child's behavior, or if you feel like you need to focus on your own triggers. And then I do have my own podcast as well. It's called Chaos to Connected. So we talk about all these different. I mean, there's only five connection strategies um, for for your kids. And so I talk a lot about them, how to implement them into different types of situations. Um, and yeah, just really lots about connection and how it's this vital need that our kids and we need as adults and just kind of helping to shift perspective um, just to things we don't naturally think about because we weren't taught to. Yes. So.
0: Uh, I'm just so grateful you're bringing Like filling that space and bringing so much awareness around it, because I really do think like after their safety, I guess, like their biggest need is just connection with us. Like we don't need to be perfect in how we show up in any of these ways, like all this pressure we put on ourselves. It's really just connection. So that's so awesome.
1: And I think just, you know, one last little tip for parents is if you're ever struggling with what to do, I always recommend thinking about what you would want for Mm -hmm. yourself. You know, if you and your husband are maybe in an argument or something, you know, you're frustrated with each other, would you want him to say, like, go away and come back when you're better and then we can have a conversation? Or would you want him to come close to you and say, you know, let's talk about it or I'm I'm listening or just sit there with each other for a little while or, um, you know you're kind of ships passing in the night and you feel that disconnection, you feel frustrated. Well, it's the same thing that happens with our kids when they're gone from us all day or they've had a tough day. They're feeling those same things. And so I think we just pull back a little bit and think about how, how we would feel in this situation and how we would want to be responded to.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that's a really good starting place to move forward. And if you if you yell, if you you know do any of those things, the point is not to be perfect with it, yeah. but this style of parenting teaches you how to repair that connection, knowing that we're going to break it. We're human. Um, and there's no shame about it. It's just coming back to a place where we can reconnect because that's what we need, you know, as any human, not just a child, but especially a child who's learning and struggling with behavior. Yeah oh so
0: good there's just so much love in that right so much love and compassion <laughs> but also like super practical it's not permissive it's not like whatever it's like oh, i'm gonna connect with you and love you and we're gonna set boundaries and all of that but i'm gonna see mm-hmm. you and hear you and remember that you're a tiny little human trying to figure this all out too <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my gosh so good thank you again kaylee for being with us today this was great
1: yes thank you for having me If you love mommy's podcast, leave a review. If you enjoyed this
0: episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content... Your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in.